I am, uh, I'm delighted to be with you tonight. Uh, Children's Sunday is kind of special because as far as I'm concerned, it gives you a little taste of what children's ministry is like all year long. Uh, Sunday's the best day of the week. And it's one of the things that uh, just is exciting for me as each week goes on. Something else that's fun and exciting is that we're starting a new sermon series tonight. The name of that series is? Good. Okay, because I'm going to be asking you to kind of feedback every once in a while like that, so don't, don't be slow to going. Uh, wonderful counselor. From a text in Isaiah 9, 6, where some of the names for Jesus are prophesied way in advance, uh, this idea of wonderful counselor, and good counselors know to do two things for certain. One is to listen well. The other is to ask really good questions. And if you can do those two things, uh, you're doing great. Jesus was amazing at, answer, at asking questions. He often answered questions with a question. Um, and we're going to look at one of those questions tonight. Uh, why are you so afraid? A great question, one that will hopefully bring out some good uh, thoughts for all of us. In the meantime, we're going to be looking at, uh, let me do this though, before I tell you where we're gonna be looking. Lael and Alila, you guys are coming up, right? Yeah. Would you meet Tanny over there? Because we're gonna have you come up here in a second. We're gonna be in Mark chapter four. So if you have a Bible, uh, you might wanna go ahead and get that out. If you've got it on your phone in a U version or Bible Gateway, you can go there. If you wanna grab the Bible that's in the chair in front of you, um, Mark four is on page 702. So we'll get you all caught up to where we're gonna be looking. Um, anytime you go to church, just about any good church, uh, the same thing is going to happen. They're going to ask you to get out your Bible. And why is that? See, these are, these are some of the things we have to talk about in children's church. It's not just because you're in a church you open a Bible. There's a reason we open a Bible. And why don't you all come on up? You can help me at this point. Um, we've been working on a verse together in children's church for the last little while uh, during our last sermon series. It's 2 Timothy 3.16. Yeah, come over here. Stand on the soft part. Yeah, there you go. Okay, so why do we use the Bible? Here is why. You guys ready? All scripture is inspired by God. Fantastic. Thank you, ladies. You have a seat. Thank you so much. Um, you may have learned that if you have in the past in another translation, but the New Living Translation right there doesn't make it very difficult to understand, does it? I mean, you really don't need this big theological, doctoral, bunch of letters after your name, seminary type stuff to understand. It talks about truth. It talks about doing what's right. And not doing what's wrong, pretty straightforward. That's why we dig into God's word. That's why we spend time there. And uh, one of the things that's kind of fun that I need to give in, in the way of background for what we're gonna be looking at in Mark 4, we're gonna start around verse 35. Uh, we're not there quite yet, but that's where we're gonna start. And by way of background, uh, we're gonna find out that Jesus is sitting in a boat and he wants to go across the lake. 
And by way of background, he's sitting in the boat for a purpose. There is a large crowd gathered on the shoreline, and they were pressing in and pressing in, and he found that if he could get in the boat and just, you know, just, just enough offshore to keep everybody a little bit at bay, and it gave him an opportunity to be able to broadcast to the group. Um, I didn't Google this, so I don't know if it's actually true because we know that that's how you find out how true things are is by going to Google. Um, yes, my tongue was buried in my cheek on that one. Um, my understanding was, as it was shared with me, is Jesus wasn't just trying to be aloof, but in speaking to this crowd that was gathered on the shore, as he, as he got in the boat and got away from, from, the, uh, from the dirt and onto the water, it actually is supposed to be some type of natural amplification. So that was cool. Um, and and in, this, in this setting, he's now been talking to the group for some time. And now we'll look at Mark 4, beginning with verse 35. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. We're... Uh, we're going to come back to this in a second. But in the meantime, have you got a picture you could throw up there for me? Yeah, thank you. At the end of the hallway, down where it says children on a big post, and there's that Volkswagen bus and all the other fun stuff gathered down there, you may or may not have noticed that it says Shoreline. Uh, that's what we call our family and children's ministries here at church. It's Shoreline Ministries. It's where Jesus called his first disciples. It's where Jesus spent some interesting time. And it was because Jesus was going to where the people were. He didn't just stay in the synagogue and expect people to come to him and listen. He went out to where they were. Uh, so he spent a, a great deal of ministry, even in this Mark 4 passage. He's at a shoreline. Uh, so we've adopted that as our children's ministry and just wanted you to know about that in case you didn't. So here they are. They've been, he's been preaching all day. They're leaving the crowd behind, and Jesus says, let's cross the way. Let's look at the next verse that's up there. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. See how I can read that? But if we were living that right now, I wouldn't be saying it like that, would I? A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Yeah. If we were in that boat right now, none of us would be sitting there looking like we do right now. You're all pretty calm right now. You're all pretty relaxed. You're all pretty comfortable. The disciples in this case that were in these boats were anything but. And interestingly, while all that's going on, this furious squall and the waves and, the, and all... This crazy, look what Jesus is doing. He's in the stern, and we're assuming that in one of the configurations of fishing boats of the time, there was a, a covered section in the back where they could keep things out of the way. Uh, he was in that out-of-the-way area with a cushion, because the nets probably weren't real comfortable, but the cushion might have been, and apparently it was enough. Uh, I know when I share this with people, sometimes they get upset with me, um, I think it's in bridge gene pool or something. If you give me a pillow in 10 minutes, I can usually get nine of those. 
That's about all it takes for me to get some, and apparently Jesus was pretty good at this too. So there's this great huge storm going on. And interestingly, this, this Sea of Galilee thing, um, I've not been there myself. Maybe some of you have. But apparently the, the geography of it is such that it, it has some of the same kinds of problems that we have here in Arizona. It, the end result is different, but it's the same kind of a problem. You go out onto the lake and everything looks wonderful, but you can't see the approaching weather at all. And then when it does come, it comes in quick and fast and you get caught like they were in this case. Similar to us here in Arizona. You can be walking down the most beautiful path following this nice little babbling brook and everything's wonderful where you are. What you don't know is at 25 or 50 miles upstream, there's a horrendous thunderstorm going on and we call them flash floods and they can be disastrous. Well, this was like that only for them, absolutely worse. We do this in our lives, don't we? Things are going along pretty well. We're kind of enjoying things. We're actually smiling a lot. Things are going our way and then wham! Some news comes our direction and I'm not talking about you know, the, the media type news. News about someone in our family, or maybe news about ourselves. Maybe the news is from a doctor. Or some other something out of our control, and all of a sudden there's a squall, and it's a furious squall, and the waves are breaking over our boat. And you wonder why it isn't like it was just a few days ago when it was nice and wonderful. Those storms of life are interesting times and they're really difficult times and we're gonna be looking at that uh, together. What's, what's interesting to me, I believe back in the day it was called foxhole uh, conversions and some of you went, huh? If you didn't do any history, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, in wartime, soldiers, the bullets are flying, the grenades, the, the mortars, the whatever, it's coming in like crazy and it looks like you're gonna be overrun and there's nowhere to go if you get out of your foxhole, you're gonna get shot, blown up, whatever. And it's in those moments that people who don't even believe there's a God start saying things like, oh God, if you were there, help me. And it's in these storms in our lives where Atheist or child of God, everybody's calling out to God. One is saying, you know, if there's a God, now would be the time to let yourself be known. I need you desperately. Children of God are saying, okay, God, why me? Why now? Why this? In those situations, we are suddenly overcome. And for, for the disciples, it gets... Really crazy. Let's, let's, oh, okay. You got me. We didn't miss one, did we? No, we didn't. Thank you. The disciples woke him because remember, he was really worried about the storm. He was so worried he was sleeping. The disciples woke him, Jesus, and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? 
See, that, you can't do that in children's church. Everybody's going, what? You all thought it was okay? You just said, uh-huh. No, 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 this is, teacher, don't you care if we drown? They're certain they're going to die any moment. And, and he's going to die, and he's the Messiah, and good grief, teacher, don't you care if we drown? And he got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. In this moment, they've got to be thinking, this is the end. I thought there was gonna be this great kingdom and Jesus was gonna sit on the throne and instead we're gonna be at the bottom of this Sea of Galilee and I'm not even a fisherman and neither is he, he's a carpenter and we're all gonna die. Let's go to the, the last section together. Oh, that's right, thank you, I need this. This picture is here on our campus. You probably haven't seen it because it's in a family room also used as an overflow three-year-old nursery, also used as an overflow small group room for children. And if you look at this picture carefully, there's something wrong. Oh, by the way, this is four feet by four feet, so it's a, a fairly good size painting. Anybody see what's wrong? Oh, see, you have too many adults. We need a kid to tell us. What's wrong? Adults got it. Way to go. They're thinking they're going to die. Do they look like they're thinking they're going to die to you? They got big smiles on their faces. Their eyes are all happy. You know, did I mention that it's an overflow for three year olds in a nursery and a family room? And we couldn't put the kinds of looks of stark fear that should be on these people's faces. So we made it, you know, child friendly but you didn't catch it. Oh, I don't know what to do. We're gonna have to work on this one. So here we are. We've got this going. Let's go to the next verse. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now there's a really, there's a beautiful progression here it's a little subtle, but it, it works even in English because Jesus says to his disciples, here, you guys are feeling bad over here, aren't you? Being left out. Okay, he says to his disciples, why are you so afraid? What are they afraid of? What are they afraid of? Go ahead. Good, I, I know you said it, but you gotta say it. Yes, they're afraid they're dying. And then Jesus comes out because they wake him up. And he does this really amazing thing. Oh, stop. Just calm down and be quiet. And the ocean does. Well, the ocean, the sea does. They go from being afraid. You see the next word? They've gone from being afraid that they're going to die to now they're afraid to even speak to the guy. Because what if he says something to them? He just made nature stop. It just stopped. It's amazing. And, and they're terrified and they ask each other, who is this? 
Now recognize, they've been with him a while. I know we're only in Mark chapter 4, but there's been a lot of stuff that's gone on. We'll talk about that in a minute, how much stuff has gone on. But they're at a place where they knew he could do really cool stuff. They were excited about, about being one of his disciples. But wait a minute, this is over the top. He just made the entire lake shut down. And the wind quit. They're terrified. By now, in Mark chapter 4, and realize there's 16 chapters in Mark. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus has already, in the first three and a half chapters, he's healed, it says, many who are sick and diseased. He's cast out many demons in many occasions. He's healed some from leprosy. He's restored a paralyzed man. He's restored a withered hand. And he did that on the Sabbath, by the way. And then it says, and there were many others. And they know that he can do that cool stuff, but this just got outside of their box. They're not sure what to do. So why are you so afraid? Some of you are dying already. I mean, you're, you're with the disciples. It's like, we've got blanks to fill in, and this guy hasn't even filled in the first blank yet. So let me give you the first blank. The first blank goes something like this. God's presence in a storm. Here's, here's the beauty of this story as we kind of unfold it. And, and just for fun, how many of you were aware of, you've read or heard of this event in Christ's life before today? Yeah, right? It's one of those. It's one of those. It's great. It's fantastic. But in this, in this unfolding of this event in Christ's life, we've, we've got a situation where we can start drawing parallels to storms in our lives. And we're not talking about, you know, the one that's brewing outside right now or even something on, on, the, on the level of, of the uh, tropical storms that are just wiping out whole sections of our country right now. We're talking about the storms that go on in our personal lives, the things that come our way that, that devastate us, that wipe us out. And here's what's exciting. Jesus has always been in the boat. He was in the boat before the disciples got in the boat. He was with them through the storm. He was there the whole time. And as, as soon as they called on him, he was ready to, to do what he needed to do. Interestingly, though, a lot of people believe that, well, I thought when I became a Christian... And you, we saw some great testimonies today of two people who have, who have given their lives to the Lord and uh, are now baptized, and, and that's so exciting. And, and for them to believe that, and now it's all going to be easy. No more problems, because I got Jesus in my boat, and so there won't be any more issues. It's just going to be smooth sailing from here on out. Sunny skies, pleasant breezes, it's going to be wonderful. And I was like, what Bible have you been reading? Because in, in the book of John, chapter 16, verse 33, it's, Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble. Ah, oh, I hate it when he makes those kinds of promises. <laughs> but take heart, he goes on, I've overcome the world. 
See, Jesus never promised it would be easy, and he never promised it would be smooth. He just promised that he'd be with you. And a lot of other wonderful things that go with this. It's, it's amazing, really, because Christianity is so not a playground. You know, some people think, oh, now that I'm a Christian, no, it's not a playground, it's a battlefield. And as a matter of fact, when people take a stand like this for Christ, oftentimes it's almost like we're getting a big target painted on our back because Satan didn't care before. You were his. Now you've changed sides. Now you've made a stand with Christ. Now you want to be considered part of God's family. He doesn't like that at all. He doesn't take that well. And just because I'm with Jesus, just because the disciples were with Jesus, doesn't mean the storms aren't going to come. So the great news here is that he is with us on our boat, our metaphorical boat. And and in that presence of him being here, no matter what's going on around us, the beauty is that I don't do life alone anymore. It's not just me against the world, even though the song was a big hit. And some of you are going, was that really a song? Is he really that old? See, those are the ones I can't use with the kids. because So... Because Christ is in my boat, because his life is being shared in mine, I know it's not just that I have somebody now that I can talk to, it's that I have the author of life working with me, helping me through. One of the best things I have found in the midst of the difficulties of the storms of life is personalizing scripture. Some of it's already done for us, but it's great to find a section of scripture that you can turn to like Psalm 46.1 and personalize it in this way. God is my refuge. God is my strength. He is my ever-present help in a time of trouble. He is with me in the storm. Hebrews 13.5, never will my God leave me. Never will he forsake me. Psalm 23 is already pretty well personalized for us if you read it correctly. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because my God is with me. So we've got God's presence. And the second thing for you note takers, second point there is God's purpose in a storm. He's present with us in a storm and he has a purpose in the storm. Think about this for a second. We've, we've read this passage who is it that said, let's cross the lake? One more time. Good. Jesus is an amazing individual, unlike any other. He's fully man, which I can relate to. But he's also fully God. I don't know how that works. It's kind of like I don't understand the whole Trinity thing either. I know it does. 
I just don't know how. I guess I don't need to know how, do I? But in fully God and fully man, Jesus chose to wear the mantle of man in such a way that he was under the authority of the Father. And he was led by the Holy Spirit. And in that relationship with God, which he daily and moment by moment sought after God's presence and sought after God's will, and we know that he, he had some amazing times in his life where it wasn't that he was arguing with God, but God, if there's any other way for this cup to pass from me. There were those moments. There are also moments where it was, yes, Lord, that's ex- yes, Father, that's exactly what I want to be doing. I want to, yes, I'll, yes, that's what I'll do. Have your spirit lead me in these things. And, and interestingly, when Jesus said, let's go to the other side, it wasn't on a whim. It wasn't because he was tired of talking to the people. It was because in those conversations with his father and in the leading of the Holy Spirit, he knew he needed to cross the lake. We know reading forward, and and maybe he knew, I don't know how that fully God, fully man thing works, but, but he was obeying his father in crossing the lake because there was a man over there, if you keep reading, and please don't do that right now, okay? Don't go past where we've gone because I don't want to see the top of your head too much. Um, in, in, you really don't want to see the top of my head. So, <laughs> in, in the process of crossing the lake, he knew that there was a man over there who was filled with unclean spirit. And he needed to be healed. And it was time to go. I'm convinced he also knew because of the leading of the Holy Spirit and his dependence on the Father that there might be a really good object lesson along the way for his disciples. The object lesson was gonna be the boat and how much faith do they have in that boat? And they crossed the lake and in getting across that lake, there they are and the storm comes up and Jesus has this amazing opportunity to let them find out who he is Yes, he's fully man. Yes, he's their rabbi. But he's also fully God. And he plays the God card when he stands up in the boat and says, be quiet and stop. Just stop it. And it does. Here's the best part of that that crossing of the lake. Oftentimes when a storm comes into our lives, a storm that we have no control over, we get, we get all twisted up trying to figure out why. And sometimes we fear that it's because we're not in God's will. And interestingly, if the disciples were doing what Jesus asked, which was taking him across the lake, and Jesus was following the instructions of his Father and the leading of the Holy Spirit, wouldn't that put them right in the middle of God's will? even though there was a storm in the middle of that will. And so those storms are those things that we don't really want, but God needs for us to have and desires for us to work through so that we can rely on him in a way that causes us to be more like his son, Jesus Christ. 
It's why in James, uh, chapter one, verse four, two through four, you don't need to turn there right now, it's just, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. First of all, rats. I didn't want to have all those trials of many kinds. And second of all, pure joy? Couldn't it be, consider it pure torture, my brothers and sisters? But no, it's got to be pure joy. At least he didn't say happiness, so that's good. But it kind of sounds ridiculous. How can we have joy in the middle of the storms of life? And it's answered in verse 3, which is because you know that the testing of your faith. And in the middle of that test, we find ourselves growing and relying on God and it goes on to say, let, the perse- let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So the storm is something God is gonna use to cause me to not be lacking anything, to become mature and complete. I need to read this next part. Not because it's so special, but because I'd mess it all up if I just tried to say it, so sorry. The reality is that here at Verde Valley Christian Church, we are people who are at all levels of spiritual maturity. We all need some maturing. Everyone has the next step. How does God mature us? In a lot of different ways. He matures us as we get to know his word and as he renews renews our minds. Since we're not doing life alone anymore, we begin to do first things first, and we rely on each other more and more, and discipleship takes place. One-on-one and in small groups, God encourages us through experiences where we can practice the one-anothers of the Bible, love one another, support one another, encourage one another, pray for one another. He matures us as we discover our spiritual gifts. And then as we make a difference in someone else's life, because saved people serve people. He matures us as we encourage others to look into this relationship we have with Jesus, because followers say, follow me. He matures us as we go through life storms so that God can do something in us. In fact, it's probably safe to say that the difference between where we are and where God wants us to be is the storm that we have yet to endure, all so that we can live with eternal significance. Yeah, me too. It's quiet right now because you all have faced storms. I don't need to tell you how difficult they are. But if you face them with Christ and you've seen his faithfulness, you know that it's an amazing thing to be in the middle of one of those storms and have a peace that surpasses all understanding that guards our hearts and our minds. We don't have to be like the disciples running around. I'm gonna die for sure. 
Which brings us to our third and last point. My response in a storm. This situation had to have brought the disciples to a place where possibly for the first time they were amazed beyond amazement. He'd healed people and that was crazy wild. And now he's calmed a storm. I've gotta believe human nature being what it was when they finally got through the storm and it was calm and they got across to the other side of the lake and the guy was there with the unclean spirits, the disciples all kind of did one of these. Oh, dude, you are so toast. (laughs) We've seen him do demons before. You should have seen what he just did. You are gonna be so healed. It's amazing. Go, Jesus, just go. I mean, I'm thinking there had to be that kind of a thought in their mind because they've just seen something that nobody had seen before, that nobody had done before. It was, it was beyond anything that they had imagined that he would do. And so now they understand the question that he asked them right away. Why are you so afraid? And that's the question we have to ask ourselves. Why are we so afraid? If Jesus is who he said he is, and if he can do the things he promises, and if he is present with us in the good and the bad times, and if he has a purpose in all of these things in our life, then suddenly my faith is not in the boat or the doctor or the whatever, my faith is in the God of creation and the God who loved his creation so much that he sent his son to remove the sin that separated us. And as a child of God, when I'm in the midst of a storm, yes, I'm gonna have an emotional reaction. When you get that call, and it's someone you dearly loved, and they're no longer here, yes, there's a sense of loss. Of course there is. Jesus cried. He wept for some pretty amazing reasons as well. But in the midst of the storm of tears, to know that Jesus is with me, and that he has purpose, in everything that occurs in my life, then I am no longer needing to have faith in my boat. I can have faith in Christ. I'm anchored in him. It changes everything. I've got to admit, I I don't understand why some things have to happen. But then, if I could understand that, I wouldn't think I would need God, would I? I need a God who understands all of these things and for my benefit will do what is best. For your benefit will do what is best, even if it means a storm. And even though in that storm, I can be right in the middle of God's will. So the real question for us tonight is, 
What is our personal next step? Um, If you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, then probably your next step would be get him in your boat. Ask him to come into your life. You don't have to beg, plead. You just have to ask. He's already paid the price of your sin and my sin. And if that's the step that you need to take, don't wait. This would be a good day. For those in this room who already have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and maybe you're in the middle of a storm right now, maybe this wonderful event that is even a children's ministry story can remind you of how much God loves you, that he's present with you, and that he will see you through the storm. He promises wonderful things like peace, a peace that's an amazing peace. And really the the only three places we can be in life are we're either in a storm, we just finished a storm, or we're about to enter one. I wanna be with the God who can calm that storm. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for loving us so much. We thank you for your word, for the truth that it gives us, for the ways that it can teach us what is right and what is wrong. Father, we thank you for the examples in scripture of of Jesus' love for his disciples and his love for us. God, would you help us to rely on you in our storms? Would you help us to remember that you are present with us and that you have a purpose for everything that's going on in our lives? We'll trust you for these things. It's in the powerful name of Jesus we pray, amen.